Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Hi guys, welcome back to the SE Playbook AFL podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SEW. Um, you're probably a bit confused. I don't sound very much like Eddie, and that's because I'm not Eddie, I'm Charlie. Eddie's at a, a business conference in NYC at the moment, so I'm, I'm taking over hosting duties today, and I'm joined by sports journalist Dylan Bolch. Dylan, how are you going? Good, thanks Charlie. Excited for another one of these, and uh, new host, that'd be great. Hopefully you can uh, show Eddie up. Yeah, and uh, also joined by a super coach expert, um, the SC Bandit. Bandit, how are you? G'day, boys. I'm I'm going well. It's been a been a bit of a big week for Eddie. I knocked him off in the head to head league, and and you've taken over as podcast host, Charlie. This is um this is quite the fall from grace for our for our steam leader. Yeah, he's uh he's having a rough couple of weeks. He's still holding his spot. I think he's in 456th. At the moment, but he's not on the pod, so we don't need to talk about him uh, any more than he deserves. So, going into uh, how did you how you guys went? Um, what was your score? What was your ranking and your wins and losses for the week? I'll start with you, Bandit. Um, you had a very good week, obviously beating Eddie. How was uh, how did it go for you? Yeah, I must admit, I only just snuck over line against Eddie. I think twelve points might have been the the final margin there. But yeah, a win's a win. I'll, I'll take it. I uh, scored two thousand four hundred forty two points for the week, which put me in the top six uh, percent um, for the week. So that was a pretty pretty good score. Um, unfortunately, my season rankings in the in the toilet um, from a sort of overall point of view, sort of sitting in the sort of mid twenty five thousands at the moment. So. Uh, yeah, not sort of much to write home about from from an overall ranking point of view, but um, yeah, in terms of wins for the week, um, my my backline seemed to go pretty well this week. So mm-hmm. I've got a couple of defensive pods back there in in Bailey Dale and, and Luke Ryan, who both are sort of sitting at less than ten percent ownership, and they both turned up for me and and helped me um, yeah to that really good score. So that was that was pleasing. Um, my big loss for the week, um, unfortunately, came in the forward line, and that was playing uh, Corey Durden over Paul Curtis, um, which probably cost me about 70-odd points in the end. Paul Curtis had a really good game as, uh, as North Melbourne broke their, their losing streak. Um, yeah. 83, and, uh, and Corey Durden didn't get near it against, um, against a pretty, pretty fearsome-looking Geelong outfit, only scored the 15 points. So, uh, yeah, that, that really helped me back from, from cracking the 2,500-point um, the mark. Yeah, the Luke Ryan one's a, a funny one because we started the season with him together, I reckon, you and I. It was, it was a very pod play um, for both of us. I uh, At the start of the year, I was pretty pretty set on having him in. As I would take the roller coaster as it came. Um, eventually, it got too much for me, though, and I, I traded him out. And, yeah, as soon as I did, he started smashing out those hundreds, um, and he's proven that he's got a ceiling as well. I think he smacked out a couple... 120s, if not 130s, in the past uh, month or so. So, no, that was a great hold from you, Dylan. How about um, you? How did you go? What were your wins and losses and your score? Yeah, it was okay. I scored two, three, nine, six. Um, so it was wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. Um, some of the wins, Jack Steele was good. Um, I put him in last week. He scored 133. Um, Bont was awesome with 180, but unfortunately, I didn't have the uh, the VC on him. I went with McRae instead. But yeah. Over the overall, it was pretty good. Tim English was was pretty ordinary. Um, Wits was bad. Darcy wasn't great, but yeah, I think most of the across the board, it's pretty pretty okay. 
Yeah, nice. Uh, I'll, uh, I've saved myself till last uh, because I haven't shut up about it all day. I had a massive week, um, in case you guys didn't know. I scored 2582. Um, it could have been a lot bigger, though. So uh, that ranked me 546th for the round. Um, on Thursday night, I reckon I had the trade ready to go. I was I was prepared to, to trade out Clayton Oliver and, and bring in Zach Merritt. For whatever reason, I don't know why. Maybe it's uh, because Merritt's a Bombers player and I, I just couldn't stand the fact of, uh, of having a Bombers player in my team. I, I reversed it, brought in Cam Guthrie, and, uh, and yeah, that lost me probably, I think, it was 56 points in the end, um, which almost would have guaranteed me a top 100 for the week. But it's all right. I, I moved up. 3,155 rankings to just over 7,000th, um, largely due to, to Nick Dacos, 40 touches and three goals. Um, not many Brownlow medalists uh, would be able to say that they can get 40 touches and three goals in a game. Um, for instance, uh, Chris Judd has never even had uh, 40 touches in a game. Um, neither has Paddy Cripps. You know, he hasn't won a Brownlow yet, but um, he's definitely a future contender for that. Um, Nick Dacos is by far and away the the best young talent in the comp at the moment. Um, and it's a pleasure to, to watch him play. Rory Laird as a, as a captain um, scored 154. He was incredible. And, and his past, past month is, has just been absolutely ridiculous. Um, he just goes from strength to strength. The losses though, Jared Witts, um, since I brought him in three weeks ago, I think he's only turned up once. Um, he was very disappointing. And Josh Dunkley is a VC option. I chose him over the likes of Bronton Pelly, who scored a 181, and Jack McRae. I think he got in the mid 120s. Um, yeah, that that was a that was a tough tough vice captain option. Um, but very glad that it led to Rory Laird as a skipper. So anyway, we're we're planning our trades this week. But how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up the moment, it might be time to finally trade banks and save yourself a bit of cash. Don't know where to start, shoot Pat and George a mortgage choice, all one word, a message on Instagram, or give them a call on 02-9521-1611 and mention the code SCPlaybook and they will take care of the rest. So boys, let's get into the big topics. I've sent you uh, a list of five different topics. We'll start with the first one and it's a, it's a position that many coaches are finding themselves in at the moment with limited trades left, uh, limited salary cap. What do we do with our remaining trades? Um, Bandit, I'll start with you. Do you have anything planned for, for your remaining trades? Uh, I'm still trying to finish my team, unfortunately. It's been that, <laughs> um, been that kind of season where, um, yeah, all the guys I've sort of traded in over the journey just haven't really worked out. Um, and you sort of touched on on Wits. He's probably a good example of that. Um, you know, obviously started the year with with Gorn and Grundy on that, on that ruck line, thinking that that would be sort of set and forget play and, and wouldn't have to touch it too much. And I think I've played sort of five or six rucks through there now at, at this point. So, um, yeah, that's been a real a real battle for me in terms of just, you know, putting out spot fires with, with having to trade um, sideways, unfortunately, throughout the year. So uh, I've got three trades left prior to this week um, and I'll probably use two of those, I think, just to get that final rookie off field. Um, that, that Corey Durden score from the weekend is... Is burning in my memory, unfortunately. So the sooner I can, um, the sooner I can move him uh, out of my team, I think the better. Um, and Paul Curtis as well, even though he scored well on the weekend, uh, he's been he's been pretty inconsistent and and has really reflected North's um, performances as a, as a team. So um, it's probably time to cash those two out and and just try and get up to you know as best performing player as I can. Yeah, that's the thing. It it, it is different for everyone. Um, 
whatever stage you're in. Um, I've, I've currently, I'm, I'm kind of at a full primo, but still got the likes of, of a couple of blokes who are performing quite under, under par. What about you, Dylan? I, I think you might be at full primo. Um, is the plan from here on, you know, sideways trade um, the, the underperforming players or do you want to bring in a rookie and build up the bank to go big? Yeah, so I'm at full primo, if you um, if you want to call it that. I've still got guys like Short and Crisp and, and Cripps um, floating around, but I've only got three trades left, and I think um, my strategy will be just to use those if a, if a player goes down with injury or suspension. So I don't really have any moves planned, um, but, you know, Tom Stewart missed a, missed a month recently, belting someone or knocked Prestia out. Oliver obviously had a finger injury last week. These sort of things pop up here and there, so I think I'll use those last three trades as a, a break glass in case of emergency sort of play. Yeah, agreed with that. Um, I've just got one left at the moment, and I think if I had any more, um, using up a trade to bring in a rookie just seems like a waste to me. Um, I think I'd much prefer to, to fix those blokes on field and and uh, yeah, save save them for a rainy day um, if there was, ever was, was an injury. Sorry. Um, it'd just be great to have... It kind of brings us on to our next topic, and that's the underperforming M8s. There's a lot floating around in the game. Um, for instance, I've got, you know, I've just brought in Guthrie, who scored an 84. Then there's also Cripps, Tom Mitchell, and Tom Green, who uh, a lot of people probably still have from his stellar start at the uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, what do we do then? I've, uh, I've tasked you guys with picking me one value pick below 500K and, and a bona fide primo. Um what are your options, Dylan? Do you have any for me? I do. I've gone with that beast mode, Reese Matheson. He his VFL yeah. form has been unreal. Um, he had, I don't know why he hasn't played. To be honest, I think that's a, a serious stitch up for him. He scored 122 um, on the weekend. If he plays, I think he'll score really well. Um, obviously, the big question mark there is his is job security, um, but. There's not really a lot else under 500, um, under 500k. I don't think you're sort of looking at the guys that are already underperforming. So your, your shorts and your crisps and your um, Isaac Heaney is another one I sort of looked at. I think I would if I if I was in that position where I was looking for someone under 500 grand, I think I'd roll the dice on Matheson. Yeah, I, I really like Matheson. He he got a game high uh, 11 clearances maybe or 10. 10 clearances, and yeah, he, he was the barometer in that midfield. Um, and I think the Lions kind of needed that. They needed a spur. They needed a bit of energy. Um, he brings that week in, week out. Yeah. Bandit, what about you? What's uh, what's your value pick for me? Yeah, I tend to agree. I do like the, the Reese Matheson pick. He's a bit of that X factor that the Lions sort of uh, are lacking with guys like Zorko and, and Rich out. Um, he's a bit of a polarizing character, as we know, given his, um, his previous time in the AFL with the, the shotguns and the like after the... <laughs> after kicking goals and things, but um, I'll, I'll go a little bit different. Um, this is a player who I sort of earmarked for big things in the in the preseason, and he hasn't really lived up to them, unfortunately. Um, he's another North Melbourne player who, you know, much like the team, hasn't sort of been able to consistently deliver week in, week out. But Jai Simkin looks like a pretty a pretty decent option at um, sort of 472K, I think it is, or 473. Um, Three-round average of 105 Obviously had a really good game on the weekend. Um, maybe that the change of coach will just be something that, that can free him up a bit. Um, I think we saw what was it last year or the year before um, when I think he was he was forward eligible. Um, he was almost a must-have um, because his ceiling was so high and 
um, you know, he's just a contested beast and doesn't really get tagged in, in a North Melbourne team that, that is struggling. Um, but even the role he plays um, makes him quite difficult to, to manage from an opposition from an opposition point of view. So, um, yeah, if you are sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel, um, I think he's he's definitely one that um, that won't cost to the world. Um, I do like Tom Mitchell as well, just for sort of old time's sake. I know the game's probably moving past him a little bit in in a sense, but um, yeah, I think he showed on the weekend that he is still capable of, of scoring well on his day, provided that um, that the role he's playing is um, is up to standard. Yeah, just on yeah, as well before we move on. Um, Post match yeah. as well, listening to him speak, it just felt like he had a, a weight off his shoulders. So hopefully yeah. for him and, and for North Melbourne, that means he uh, is on to bigger and better things in the in the last month or so of the season. Yeah, I, I think the North Melbourne boys in general are an exciting prospect to look at. Um, I think they've got nothing to lose from here on out uh, and they'll, they'll be playing with a lot more freedom under a new coach. Uh, I think, yeah, him and, and Luke Davies, Uniaki and, um, oh, you could go very left field, maybe get Tom Powell if you're looking for a major cash grab. But I think these boys, they'll start getting more midfield minutes um, and their scoring will, will heavily reflect that. I've gone for Adam Trelaw. He just just fits the bracket of being under 500k. He's 499,400. Um, the reason why, he's always been a, a super coach, Hall of Famer. Um, there's no doubt about that. He's got a three-round average of just over 100. But he's moved to a half-back role, um, which uh, I, I was a bit confused about um, when he first did it. But he's playing that seagull role, seagull role um, you know, the, the Mitch Duncan, Jake Lloyd role. He's getting a ton of footy. Uh, he looks really good, and I think I'd much prefer him playing there than fighting for a midfield spot, given the uh, the stocks in that midfield for the Bulldogs. Um, yeah, if you're looking for for a cheap option, I think he's uh, he's definitely at the top of my list. Uh, for my uh, my bona fide premium, I think it's pretty obvious. Rory Laird, he's um, he's up there with, with one of the best in the game at the moment. Him and Clayton Oliver. And he hasn't dropped below 114 since round 10, which is just ridiculous. You don't see that very often. Uh, he's also got a four-round average of 141. I think if, you, if you've if you got the money uh, and you're, you're willing to spend top dollar, uh, he'd, uh, he'd be my number one by a long way. What about you, Bandit? Do you have anyone in mind? Um, look, to be honest, I think most of the top 10 guys are sort of spoken for, sort of looking through the ownership. Um, Lockie Neal's at sort of 70%. Clayton Oliver's at 45, Jack McRae's at 58, and the rest are sort of sitting between sort of, you know, mid-20s to, to high 30s in terms of ownership percentage. Um, one guy that does stand out a little bit um, sort of away from the pack is is actually Ben Keyes from, from Adelaide. Um, yeah. Hasn't been seeing the world on fire of late, um, and his five-round average of, of 93 probably reflects that, but he's only scored 29 less points than Jordan Dawson, who's been, you know, one of the hottest players in... Um, in Supercoach in terms of um, in terms of defensive picks. So the fact there's only 29 points of, of output between them, they've played the same amount of games, um, but Jordan Dawson will cost you $72,000 more. Um, yeah, I think Ben Keyes is definitely worth a look at sort of 530K, particularly if you're looking to, you know, take a punt on an M8 and you're looking to, you know, trade Crips out or, or Crisp or Short, one of those sorts of guys who, um, you know, hasn't been setting the world on fire of late. Um, yeah, Ben Keyes has shown that he's got quite a high ceiling in that Adelaide team alongside Laird, so he doesn't mm. look like the worst pick in the world. Agreed. I, I, I really like Ben Keyes. As, uh, you know, you kind of know what you're getting from him week in, week out. You know he's going to be around the contest. You know he's going to get the footy. Um, his disposal efficiency isn't great. He's got probably, I think, one of the worst kicks in the AFL for a midfielder. 
but he's going to be uh, he's going to be averaging around that hundred mark, and he he rarely goes lower than that. And uh, and he's already proven this year that he's got quite a ceiling with a couple one thirty and maybe a, a couple one forty scores as well. Dylan, uh, what about you? Who's your bona fide premium pick for me? Yeah, I look at Zach Merritt again. I think I've probably mentioned him for the last month or so, um, but he's he's in a really good run of form. His uh, three round average is one hundred and forty one. And his five-round average is 125. I think he's a he's a really good pick if you've got the money to get there. But I kind of feel like with all the M8 discussions, if you do have someone like Cripps, uh, I feel like I'd just hold him. Like The guys that we've, we've ratted off and mentioned are probably about Cripps' standard anyway. Um, and the player that Cripps is, I, I'm sure he'll turn it around at some point. It's just whether it happens this year or... Or next, it feels like, you know, we saw it with the tracker a couple of weeks ago when everyone was hopping off him after a few 80s or 90s or whatever it was. And since then, he's come and um, scored really well. He's got a three-round average of 140 as well. So I almost feel like you just you just hold because to get from a Crips to someone like a Petraka or a, or a Merit um, is going to cost you a fair bit of coin anyway. And I know I'm in that position and, Charlie, you are as well. We don't really have the funds or trades to make that happen. Yeah, agreed. It, it it does seem at this point any trade you make really is going to be a luxury trade, and it's whether you pull the trigger or not. Uh, I think we've got a couple of listener um, questions as well that kind of relate around that. We'll get to uh, later on. Um, how do we go in the in the state league uh, in the in the resis, the twos magoos? Dylan, I know you're you're in and around the VFL. You're well involved in the Sandringham Dragons. Um, how, did you uh, did you catch any of the VFL? Yeah, I caught um, Friday night. Sydney played uh, Northern Bullants, I want to say. Don't hop into that, though. Um, Josh Kennedy returned and, and was pretty good. He just looked a class above. Um, so he expects him to come back into the Swans lineup. Angus Sheldrick, uh, he's a, a rookie-priced player. He was also awesome. He had 30 touches and, and eight clearances. So he is one that might push his case. But it's sort of at the point of time in the year where a lot of these guys, we kind of don't want them to, to debut or, or to come back in. We'd rather they are miss the next month and, and be ripe for picking next year. Um, Greg Clark, some people still have. He was pretty solid for West Coast. Um, Hugh Dixon kicked a couple of goals but didn't get a lot of it. Um, I'm just trying to think of who else. Um, did you, Dan Hanabry made his comeback and was really good, but you'd be a brave man to touch him yeah. with his, uh, his injury <laughs> history. Um, Morris Rioli wasn't good. He, uh, I suspect he'll stay out, especially given the form that... Uh, um, Noah Cumberland's shown as well, so it's sort of a a tough tough point in time with the state leagues. Guys are, you know, the teams that are pushing for finals want to be playing experienced players and guys that have been around the group. And the teams that have bottomed out um, are probably looking to just bite a youngster here and there, but they're probably not ready. Yeah, agreed. Have we missed anyone on that list, Bandit? That's a notable, um, or could be a notable inclusion to to AFL sides. I don't think so. I think I think it's spot on in terms of um, teams who AFL teams who are going to be playing finals are really looking to to lean on the experienced players that they've got in that level below. So um, yep. yeah, guys like Dan Hannabrys, Josh Kennedy's. Um, I'd be surprised if Dan Hannabry really offers much, but um, Josh Kennedy's a perfect example at Sydney of um, a guy who they're getting back at exactly the right time um, and can really add something to that team at, at, at the AFL level. So. Um, yeah, I think um, you're spot on in the sense that, yeah, ideally we, we don't really want those those Angus Sheldricks of the world popping up and, and getting another game because, um, number one, they probably won't perform as well as a Josh Kennedy and, number two, they'll probably ruin their price for 
the super coach price, I should say, for uh, for 2023. So, uh, yeah, nothing really stood out for me um, aside from that. Yeah, uh, totally agree. It, it does bring us on to our next point, uh, which is rookie downgrades. And we have touched on a fair few more. There's a few more that are um, probably worth flagging. Dembro- Massimo D'Ambrosio. Um, I thought he was missing because he was injured with a corky, but he then played VFL um, and they used him forward, which was weird. Um, and Ben Rutten sort of said post-match in the AFL presser that he was trying a few things with him. So I, I didn't really like the sound of that. Um, a, for Massimo's return, and B, like long-term, I, I don't know why you'd play him forward when he's looked yeah. so calm at, at half-back. Um, Nico's boy, Braden Proust, played and played well, but if you've still got him, your team's probably in a, a bit of a mess. Um, and the other one is... And I'll flag him for next year. Mitch McGovern, I was so on board him at the start of the year and he ripped his hammy off the bone early. But I think if he has that role as, a, as an interceptor, I'll be uh, spruiking the same stuff this time uh, pre-season next year. Yeah, and, and for good reason too, because we've seen what Harry Himmelberg can do in that sweeper role. Um, if Mitch McGovern can, can get anywhere near that, uh, he'll be a great pick for next year. And uh, yeah, it does bring us on to our next point, which is rookie downgrades. And we have already touched that you know, although not entirely relevant at this point in the year, it's still interesting to chat about. Um, we've got a couple blokes on the on the bubble at the moment in Noah Cumberland, Josh Carmichael, uh, Will Hayes as well. Um, and then we had uh, a few blokes that made the debut like Jai Cully, Ash Johnson and Tyler Sonsi. Um, Bandit, are, I mean, are any of these relatively good options? Could you, could you see yourself bringing in one of these guys as bench cover? Yeah, I'm definitely looking at the guys who are on the bubble this week. So um, Noah Cumberland's played played two games now, um, had a really good game um, against North Melbourne. I think he scored 101 Supercoach points in that in that game. So he's averaging 81 and a half um, from his, his two games, which is obviously um, pretty good going. Um, my one concern with him is that Richmond do have quite a few um, top liners to come back. So obviously um, Prestia, Martin, um, Tom Lynch, Noah Bolter, these guys have all got to come back into the team at, at some point. So um, I think the, the natural um, order of things will mean that he'll probably get squeezed out as they as they get closer to finals and Richmond sort of settle on their best 22 for, for September. Um, Josh Carmichael's a really interesting one. Um, had, a, had a pretty good game on the weekend, um, but, but sort of chopped it up a bit by, by hand and foot. He had 24 disposals and a goal, but... I think mm. only six of his disposals were effective on the day. So um, yeah. he's clearly shown that he could find enough of the, of the ball. Um, but, yeah, he's just got to tidy that, that disposal up a bit. He's averaging 55 from his first two games. I think probably of of the three that we've mentioned, Cumberland, Carmichael and, and Hayes, um, Carmichael's probably got the best job security at the moment. Um, Collingwood have, have shown that they want to play the young guys and, and put some faith in them. So, um, yeah, I think he's he's definitely one that I'll look to probably bring in this week if he's, if he's named again. Um, and Will Hayes, I actually thought Hayes played a pretty good game on, on the weekend for, for Carlton. He seemed to bob up all over the place um, playing out on a wing. And I think he scored 70-odd super coach points as a result. Um, obviously, his average of 42.5, you know, doesn't doesn't sound amazing. But, um, yeah, just to the eye on, on Saturday night, I watched most of that game um, between Carlton and, and Geelong. And I thought he was certainly one of, of Carlton's better players on the night. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go I'd probably go Carmichael over Hayes just for mm. sort of Potential output and also price. Carmichael's a 102 uh, mid-forward and Hayes is a 123k uh, mid-forward. But, um, yeah, Hayes is definitely an option as well. Yeah, I, I do like Carmichael. And, yes, his disposal efficiency was terrible. I think he went at 25%. Um, 
But the promising sign is he was around the ball, uh, which I really think you can't teach that um, at an AFL level. You can't teach someone to be in the right spots. That's kind of just a natural thing, and, and he's clearly got that. You can go out on the track and you can practice your kicking any day of the week. Um, I think that's the that's a really promising sign. And, and yeah, he got 24 touches and, and 24 kicks. So none of his disposals were by hand, which is uh, weird. I haven't seen that in a long time uh, for someone to get 24 disposals and 24 kicks. Dylan, what about you? If, if you could rank them, so I'm, I'm throwing you a bit under the bus here, but if you could rank them, how, how would you rank them from one to three? I think, yeah, I agree with everything you've both said about Carmichael. I think he's the clear number one um, for the reasons you've both mentioned. I'd have Cumberland two, um, and I think Will Hayes is probably three. I, I think he's missing the next two games with uh, suspension as well. Um, if if one of you can just triple confirm that, um, I think I, I'm pretty sure he uh, he tackled Manigolo and knocked him out, and they and the uh, MRO gave him a couple of weeks. So I think he's probably not. You probably have him third, um, and for the reasons you both touched on, I think uh, Carmichael's one. Yeah, I hundred uh, percent agree with that. Is it? Could you see yourself going early on Jai Cully? Um, you know, if if you were looking just for bench cover and purely from not a, a money making point of view, is Jai Cully the number one option out of those guys? Um, I think. It's probably between Carmichael and Cully. So Cully scored 90 against uh, against the Hawks on the weekend. I unfortunately didn't watch the game, but apparently he tackled really well. Um, he had 11 or 12 tackles, and that obviously brings about a lot of super coach points. So if he can maintain that, he'll uh, he'll score pretty well. Um, but from what I've seen of Carmichael, that's been great too. So it would probably have either Cully or Carmichael, and given they're both 102K rookies, they're, uh, they've both got the, the mid-forward status too. I think they're the clear clear top two options. Yeah, I I agree, Dil. I I actually did watch most of that West Coast and Hawthorne game, and I thought I thought Cully was super. Um, his work around the ball, um, particularly his tackling and his and his flight work, I thought was excellent. Um, he did drift out of the game a little bit, I think, towards the end. Um, but I think he was sort of sitting on sort of mid seventies at the start of the um at the start of the last quarter in terms of super coach points. So, um, yeah, he's clearly got the scoring capacity. Um, and West Coast have shown that they want to sort of get him in there. Um, they took him at number one in the mid-season draft for a reason. So, um, yeah, I think I think he's definitely someone to to look at and someone to carry into um, you know the last part of the year on on your bench for sure. Um, but I'd probably at this stage I'd probably want to have one more look at him. I reckon just to make sure like there's not there'd be nothing worse than bringing in a rookie at this point, burning a, a really valuable trade, and then um, he gets omitted the next week. So. Um, I think for that reason, I'd probably still have Carmichael ahead of him at this stage. But if Cully puts together another good performance this weekend, then there's no reason why you couldn't um, why you couldn't bring him in as as bench cover for the last part of the season. Yeah, um, no, I, I totally agree with all of that. I probably won't be looking for any rookies, but I am looking for primos. Um, maybe not this week. I don't see any trades that I can I can make properly, but maybe give it a couple weeks, um, and I'll be looking for for some premio premiums that have bottomed out fully um do you guys have any in mind that that are that are trending downwards at the moment you know they're still solid premiums do you guys have any premiums that have uh had a couple bad weeks that are looking like they're going to bottom out bandit what about you uh just looking through the break evens here jordan dawson is very very high at the moment he's he's got a break even of 180 heading into this week so um you'd think that he probably won't hold his price um over 600k for for much longer um, so you'll probably be able to wait a couple of weeks on him and, and grab him for sort of mid 
mid 500s, I'd, I'd say. So that's probably a good option for those who, who don't have him. Um, Bailey Smith came back on the weekend um, and just slotted straight back into that, that Bulldogs lineup. Um, his break even's 153. So you'll probably be able to get him under 500K um, in, a, in a week or two, which I think would be a, a very savvy pickup. Um, just looking through the rest of the list here, there's not too many that have super high break evens this week outside of that. Max Gorn will be cheap in a few weeks. I don't know if I could do it just because of that risk with Luke Jackson um, and, you know, the 50-50 ruck split that was so apparent on the weekend. But he, he could be very cheap in a couple of weeks. Are you convinced by him, Dylan? Like, would you possibly bring him in? Yeah, I think I would really – I'd picked out two names from, from the – the guys we've mentioned, it. Bailey Smith was one because I think he's still a top four or five um, pick as a forward, and Max Gorn was the other. I think like we've talked about the Rucks all year and how Darcy and Wits aren't in the, the greatest of form at the moment, given how good Gorn has been. And I know there's a split with Jackson and whatnot, but I think Melbourne will really want to be hitting their straps come finals time. And I think Gorn, in the middle of the ground, getting around the ball as much as possible is their, is their best chance of um, winning games of football. So I think, yeah, Gorn is one that I'll really consider. Um, in a week or two, 550k at the moment, and that'll probably drop as well. And we know he can put out a 180. So I think he's one that, if you are looking to sideways, um, Wits or Darcy to Gorn late in the season when other players or other coaches don't have trades could be a, a really good move. Yeah, I think he's a much better ruckman um, as opposed to a forward. I think Jackson is, is the clear and obvious forward um, out of the two. Uh, I, I, I think it would be silly if, if Gorn wasn't playing you know, at least 70% in the ruck. I think last week, I don't know the exact split, but it seemed pretty even. Um, Bandit, do you have anything on, on Max Gorn? Not off the top of my head. I, I do agree that, you know, if Melbourne want to be there when the whips are cracking, he does need to, I think, shoulder a lot of that that ruck load. Um, it just feels like, and I didn't watch too much of the, the Melbourne game on the weekend, but the fact they only won by a couple of goals, I think probably tells me they're still not quite there as a team. Um, I don't think we can underplay the role that Tom McDonald uh, or the hole that Tom McDonald has left in that in that team because it means that, you know, Bailey, guys like Bailey Fritch and, um, you know, Luke Jackson are having to do a lot more with him out of the side and they're just really struggling to cover him. So I think, um, you know, that has a flow-on effect to go on and the role that he's, that he's potentially playing in that team. So if they can sort of bed that down over the next couple of weeks um, and find a, a system that works ahead of... Um, Head of finals, then yeah, I think we can. I think we can easily see him getting back to, you know, the the scoring ceiling that we've seen um, time and time again from him. Um, just on the, I've pulled up the stats in front of me now. So on the weekend, Gorn uh, attended forty nine percent of ruck contests and Jackson forty one percent. So as Charlie mentioned, it was it was pretty even. Um, hopefully yeah. that down the track. I know Gorn had, had missed. Um, it's his second game back from a from an injury. Hopefully he. Uh, burdens more of the load um, down the track because those numbers were sort of 50 to 60 to 70% um, in the early parts of the season. Yeah. If you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the season. Use the code SCPLAYBOOK if linking up so they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Um, last week, I put... North Melbourne, I think. I had them at the line. I think their line was 46.5 maybe. They got the job done, but Frio let me down against Sydney. Um, how did you guys – well, 
Sorry, Bandit, you were on the podcast. Dylan, do you remember how you went? I think you had something around North as well. Uh, I wouldn't have backed North, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I might have mentioned that they, the new option teams bounce back the week they uh, sack a coach, but I doubt I would have put money on, on North. Um, <laughs> yeah, this week, I don't know. It's hard this week. I think I'm, I think I'm going to uh, run with Essendon at $2 and... Eight cents to beat Collingwood. And Collingwood just seem to be winning these games that they shouldn't be winning. Um, I think they've won six or seven games by less than two goals, which is a phenomenal effort to, uh, for them. But Essendon are hot at the moment. Um, and it's one of those ones that if it wins, you get some money. And if it loses, Essendon lose. So that's uh, you can't really lose if you go like that. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Mm. Um, I've actually, I've, I have gone the opposite, though. I've gone Collingwood 1-39. to Um I just do think they are comfortably better than Essendon. Um, I'm still not convinced that the Bombers are, are a good footy side. I think they're okay. I don't think they're great. Um, and I'm doubling that up with Brisbane 1-39 to uh, against the Suns, who, yeah, I think um, that provides some pretty good value. The Suns had a shocking week uh, against the Bombers. Um, I think Bombers only won that because Gold Coast were so bad. Tuke Miller even came out and said that it was just a game where um, they just really didn't give it their all. I don't know, you know, that's not a direct quote, but it, he uh, he did say something along those lines. So I'm going to pair those two, and that's going to take it up to five dollars and one cent. Bandit, what have you got for me? Oh, I like the thinking, boys. That'll add some interest to that game. It's a huge game for for Collingwood. I'm just looking at the fixture. There's some some really crucial games this weekend that could potentially shape the, the top eight. Richmond playing Fremantle on on Friday night. Um, Geelong can effectively end Port Adelaide's season if they if they beat them on Saturday and and as we mentioned, uh, Collingwood play Essendon on Sunday. So lots to look forward to. Um, I'll, I'll take a, a multi. Um, I think uh, Sydney will Sydney will go back to the SCG and, and should beat um, should beat the Crows there. So we use that as a bit of a bit of an anchor leg. Uh, Brisbane, I think, will beat Gold Coast, who to be honest were pretty dreadful um, against the Bombers last weekend and basically killed their. Their finals host, which is a real shame, considering the the stirring win they had the week before over Richmond. I think they were probably just, um, yeah, probably spent too much ticket, too many tickets in um in that game against the Tigers, and probably um probably flamed out a bit against um against the Bombers. Um, and I think Carlton can bounce back against um against GWS um at the MC, at uh, Marvel Stadium back to their sort of home deck. I know um Carlton fans probably don't like playing home games at Marvel; they'd rather play at the G, but. Um, yeah, I think back under the under the roof at Marvel Stadium on a Sunday, I think they can uh, get the job done there. So uh, yeah, that three leg multi will get you uh, four dollars fifty or thereabouts on on top sport at the moment, which I think is um, pretty good value. Nice, love that, love all of those. Um, now's the time of the podcast where we chat about what we're doing this week, um, trades, captains, all of that stuff. Dylan, do you have anything planned? Is it going to be another no trade week, and you're just going to hold strong? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll uh, unless something happens between now and, and the weekend where someone goes down with a uh, three week injury, I think yeah, I'll hold and, and back the guys I've got in. Yeah, nice. What about you, Bandit? Well, if you're going to go down, you might as well go down swinging. So I probably will use two trades this week. Um, yeah, I'll uh, be looking to bring in Carmichael for Corey Durden, who has to be honest, been in my team for, for way too long. He's, I just haven't been able to get rid of him at any stage. He's, every time I've needed him, well, most of the, to be fair, most of the time I've needed him to put together a reasonable score he has, but he's had some really low ones in there as well. So I think it's time for, for him to go. I'll probably bring in Josh Carmichael for, for him. 
Um, and then I'll probably move on Paul Curtis as well. Um, the cupboard's pretty bare. Uh, I'm sort of looking at forwards at 420k or less. But the one that does stand out to me at the moment is um, is Pat Lipinski. Um, mm. Had a really solid game on the weekend against Adelaide um, after a sort of quieter month where he didn't crack um, 80 supercoach points in, in any of his previous four games. But he had a run there really in the season where he put some really solid scores together against quality teams. So I'm um, hoping I can bring him in as sort of like a f6 and he can um yeah he can get me through to the end of the year hopefully and that will um that will get me to a full um non-rookie team i guess it's not exactly a a full primo side because there's a lot of guys who i've missed throughout the year unfortunately just with um yeah with injuries and and poor trading i guess so um yeah that will mean that i won't have any more rookies on field finally which will be a a relief i have to ask how did the uh the mabior troll experiment go did you follow through with that no i chickened out on that one so i was gonna i was gonna trade in um it was all because nankervis played this week actually so if nankervis hadn't have played i probably would have brought in um tim taranto and marby or Chol for nankervis and curtis i think it was mm-hmm. um but nank ended up playing he actually he actually scored pretty well he scored 99 um against north which i thought was a pretty Pretty good effort considering he'd um he'd injured his knee the week before. So yeah, chickened out on on that trade. Um and it was probably for the best to be honest. I don't think Taranto or Charles sort of went went that well in the end. So um yeah, yeah that was probably a, a a Monday a Monday idea that was probably best left there, I think. So that was a good mm-hmm. result. Yeah, with with Nankovis, I he was pretty close to not playing um this week or, or last week, and I think it's pretty certain that he won't play this week. He uh, he got reported um did did you guys catch that yeah i i did see sort of straight after the game that he that he got reported by the match day umpire which is a little bit unusual um the vision that i saw wasn't super conclusive i think he got reported for kneeing um paul curtis or curtis taylor one of those one of those guys so um yeah that was a bit of a strange one very sort of out of character you don't really see too much of that um in the afl these days so um, but I didn't really sort of see any follow-up to that. Yeah, I've just Googled it now. He got off. Um, I didn't see the incident, but it's a weird one, um, and he should be right to play this week. Yeah, oh, well, that's good for, for his owners. As for my trades this week, um, yeah, I think I'm just going to hold strong. I, I did the two trades last week with Oliver uh, and Cripps out for Guthrie and Steele. Steele was a, a great trade-in with a 133, but, yeah, Guthrie was very underwhelming. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm just going to hold strong with one one trade left. I've got 100k in the bank. Can use that for for really anything. Might use it for a loophole player on the bench or or just do a sideways trade. We'll wait and see. As for captains this week, I uh, I really like Brayshaw, vice captain versus Richmond. Um, Richmond give up a ton of points to to opposition midfielders and and they tend to really not follow around the ground. They're they're quite contested, but you know as soon as the ball spills out of the of the center circle, they uh, they kind of let their man go free. Um, I like that, and then McRae as a, a skipper against Melbourne. He's got a great record against him uh, against them. Sorry, in his uh, in his last three games. If I bring that up now, he's scored uh, one thirty three, one forty six, and one forty five. So I think that's pretty hard to look past. Um, but yeah, that could change to to Bontempelli. Bandit, you're the, you're the skippers expert on the uh, SE Playbook website. What have you got for me? Yeah, pretty cut and dry week for me. I think Rory Laird as a vice captain against Sydney um, speaks for itself. Three round average of 
um, one, five round average, I should say, of uh, 135 or thereabouts. I think um, he should be able to continue that that good run of form that he's in after uh, 20 tackles against Collingwood. That was an amazing effort. Um, which was a new, new VFL AFL record for, for tackling yeah. since they've kept that stat. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed he can continue um, that run of form. And then uh, Lockie Neal against the Suns looks like, looks like a really good play as well. Um, Gold Coast are, are ranked 16th at the moment for Supercoach points conceded to midfielders. So I think uh, Lockie Neal can have a big night in the Q clash. Yeah, agreed. Dylan, what about you? Yeah, I've got uh, at the moment. I've got the VC on on Laird, hoping he can back up um, his performance last weekend. Like he's been pretty solid all year. I think he's second or third for average um, across the season. He he hopefully can have another big game. Um, and I've got Jack McRae as captain at the moment. Um, you touched on it before, Charlie. His last three against the D's have been um, pretty impressive. So fingers crossed he can do that again. Yeah, I uh, I love those picks. Yeah, with the Bulldogs boys, you could go. Oh, you probably couldn't go Josh Dunkley given his current run of form. But Bontempelli coming off a one eighty one um, is very hard to look past. Price drop. If you're after premium content, sign up to SE Play for twenty dollars for our entire content for the twenty twenty two AFL season, or forty dollars for the full package covering AFL, NRL, and BBL. Give you access to stacks of extra articles every week of the preseason and in-season entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group, where you can chat with the contributors about your team, access to our limited group major prize, and plenty more. Not interested? Don't worry. We've got stacks of free content to rummage through also. Visit scplaybook.com.au for stacks of expert content, plus follow our Insta, Facebook, Twitter socials at scplaybookafl. We've uh, we've reached the part... Uh, of the podcast where we chat about the uh, the listeners' questions and answers. We put up a post every Sunday asking for some questions uh, and then on our, uh, our Monday night podcast, we discuss the answers. We'll start with the first one from Peter Dale. Um, he says, luxury trade, cripple or boke to most likely mills. Dylan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it Obviously, we don't know based on the question, but if he can, like if he can afford to do that luxury trade, I think it's well worth doing uh, mills is is a gun, um, and the, the two that he's listed there, Cripps and, and Boke, have, have struggled of late. I think I would probably look at moving on Boke only because um, his role can change a little bit week to week, and Cripps have seen when he's fit and firing can score pretty well. I just feel like best-case scenario, Cripps is better than Boke. Um, so I think I'd look at moving Boke to Mills out of those two. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I reckon halfway through the year... I was looking at Boke. I had him probably above um, Cripps, not Cripps exactly, but someone of, of Cripps's type, um, just slightly because I thought he might get forward status uh, with the new DPP changes in, uh, well, whenever they did them last week. But he missed out on that. Still might be one to look for uh, next year. I think he's had a had a lot of forward time um, in the back half of this season. But yeah, Cripps uh, just slightly better, I think. Bandit, this one's for you from Cram Jono. Uh, you are the, the the captain expert here. Um, he's asked Laird or Oliver as captain this week. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Laird, yeah, it's a hard one. I, I assume because you're asking if you make Laird captain, you're probably looking at VC and Brayshaw on the first game of the round, which I'm not against, but um, yeah, obviously you know, putting a, a, a captaincy tag on, on Laird in what is effectively the third game of the round is um 
is going quite early. So I assume you've got um, you've got a VC in mind in the um, in the first couple of games of, of the week. Um, I'd probably go Laird just. Um, I know Oliver's only missed a week, but you know um, Oliver's obviously had to to rest his legs for for a little while. So um, he's coming back into what will be a, a pretty hot contest, I think, against a pretty pretty rock solid midfield against um, against the Bulldogs. So there might be a, a few less points on offer for him than what there normally might be. So I think based on that, I'd, I'd be going Laird personally. Yeah, um, I, if I did have Oliver, I would be taking Laird as well. I just think taking that risk of, of a, a broken thumb um, is probably one that I, I just think it's too too risky. Um, he could be pretty tentative around the ball. Um, he might be wearing a glove as well. You know, I don't know. That might impact him a little bit. I just think, yeah, the, the risk outweighs the uh, the benefits there. Um, Corey Blackledge, he's a, he asked a lot of questions on the podcast. We love Corey here. He's asked, do I trade Cripps or Baker for Supercoach Finals? So I assume, yeah, he's he's thrown the the ranking out the window. He's focused on Supercoach Finals like a lot of other coaches. Um, Bandit, what, what would you say for that? Cripps or Baker first? Uh, I assume he's talking about Liam Baker of Richmond. Is that is that who we're is that who we're going? Yeah, for? I reckon. I think he, I think he traded him in. That was his question last week, maybe, or or he asked it in the the WhatsApp group. But I think he did bring Baker in. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, it's a it's a tough one. I think I think just with the amount of players that Richmond have got to bring back into that team, I'm a bit concerned about Baker's role over the last sort of month of the of the season. I think he could get pushed back to to the role that we sort of saw him playing at the start of the year, which was sort of predominantly um, backline and um, sort of in and around the fringes a bit and, and sort of your, your Prestiers and your Dustin Martins and, and those guys were, were doing the bulk of the work. So, um, yeah, carrying Liam Baker... Um, scares me a little bit heading into to Supercoach finals. I think if you if you had to trade one of those guys, I'd be I'd be going Baker. Yeah, it's a it's a big decision to make. I think when Baker does have those midfield minutes, he's shown that he can score well. But um, yeah, they they're not coming at a at a consistent enough rate to warrant that um, that hold. I think Cripps is is the much better trade. Dylan, this is the the fourth and final question, and it comes from Peter Dale again, um, and we we have already touched on it quite in-depth, but he asked what the best job security out of Josh Carmichael, Will Hayes, and Jai Cully. Um, I'll rank Carmichael 1, Cully 2, and Hayes 3. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty much the same, Bandit. You you similar? Uh, yeah, I'll go Carmichael just ahead of Cully. Um, and Will Hayes I'll put as a DNF because he's he's obviously <laughs> rubbed out for the next couple of weeks with, with suspension, so... Um, yeah, I think given that you probably can't really consider consider him, but yeah, I'd probably have Carmichael just a, a fraction ahead of Cully at this point. Yeah, well, boys, that brings us to the end of the podcast. My hosting duties are done. Uh, don't know if I'll get the call up again next week, but we'll wait and see. Um, no, thanks for coming on. Um, you've been heaps of help as always. Good luck for for this week, Bandit. You've got anything planned? Uh no, hopefully uh my horse can get a win down in um mm. at Blunston Arena. It'll be pretty fresh down there, I reckon, against the Kangaroos in, in Hobart. So um yeah, fingers crossed they can uh, they can get a win. Yeah, I actually forgot to bring this up for the listeners. I reckon this is the first time in SC Playbook AFL history that we've had three Hawks fans on the podcast. Uh, fresh off a win as well. Um, fresh off two wins on the trot actually. So. 
we're all pretty up and about. Dylan, are you going to watch the game this week? Oh, pro- yeah, hopefully. North North should be uh, one of the games that we're in with us. I've missed us the last two weeks um, for various yeah. reasons. I was driving back from Ballarat for the Adelaide game, so I had it on the radio. And then um, I had a family function for the uh, the game yesterday against West Coast. So fingers crossed I can catch that one and hopefully we uh, get another win, make it three in a row. Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly nervous. I've got a, a glimmer of doubt in the back of my head. I reckon it was this maybe this fixture last year, I think, when North oh, – not a, not this exact fixture, sorry, but when North were – they hadn't won a game. They came up against us. They won. Um, I, look, it, it could happen again. If, if a team were to lose to North, I think it would be Hawthorne. Um, but, look, we'll wait and see. Uh, thanks, boys. Have a, have a great week.